the Lamb. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Holy is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. If we don't understand that, we can get nothing else. To understand that the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, the spotless Lamb, is worthy of all praise. Before the foundation of the world, the Lamb was slain. It pleased the Father to smitten and have his wrath on his Son, the Lamb of God. Worthy is the Lamb. Thank you. You are holy, Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. That name is above every name. That name is above every name. Thank you, Father. Worthy is the Lamb. You are holy. Every knee will bow. Every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. You will bow that knee, whether in heaven or in hell, that knee will be bowed and you will confess Jesus is Lord. Hearts are fixed on you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Give him praise. Let's thank him for what he's done in your life. Thank him about what he's doing in your life. He may not be where you're at, but you are definitely a lot further than where you were. For the work he started, he will complete. For it's right that we praise Him. It is right that we glorify Him, exalt Him above all things. It is right that we serve Him. It is right that we are humble ourselves before Him. For this is a true act of worship, that we pour all our cares upon the Lord because He cares for us. For He said, my burden is easy and my yoke is light. That no matter what I can do in my strength will never change what Jesus has already done at the cross. And we thank you for that. We honour you, Father. Thank you for the blood of Jesus that sets us free. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. And everybody said amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Kids, you can go. You can be released. You may be seated. Say hello to someone you don't know. Ask them for their PIN number.
Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, the kids. Hallelujah. Be good kids. Oh, I'll come in there. I got barred from there. Last time I went in there, I started a bull rush. They kicked me out. Welcome, everyone. That's very rude when someone says hello and no one says hello back. Welcome, everyone. That's better. No more talking, please. Um, no, it's an honor to be with you tonight. Welcome if you're new here, if it's your first time. Um, where you've been? Um, haven't been here for a while. Where's your letter? If you've been here a lot, you're part of the furniture. Privileged to be with you. And um, it's an exciting time to, to share the Word of God with you guys. And um, feel comfortable. You're at home. You're among family. If you feel religious, get out. I know, joking. But uh, this is a family. And we love one another as Christ loved the church. Amen? Don't have to like each other, but we have to love each other. I don't have to like you, I have to love you. So praise God. Um, just to, to recap on what, um, what uh, Dorian said about baptisms this Saturday. If you haven't been baptized um, and you want to get baptized or you want to know more about it, come and see myself or Rabs. For those who have already been booked in because of COVID, we couldn't sort of catch up. Plus... It was cold, and um, now it's warm. So, <laughs> Praise God. Can we turn to the book of Luke? Tonight I want to share two stories in the Bible of the book of Luke. There's a story about Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, and a story about obviously our blessed Virgin Mary, the mother of our Lord. And... Uh, it's unique to see the story and read it. There's nothing in the Bible by mistake. When the Bible quotes something and declares something, you might read over it and pass over it and not think, oh, well, what's, why is that in there or what's the big deal? But we have to understand that the Bible is, is, is ordained by the Holy Spirit, written by man, ordained by God under the, under the influence of the Holy Spirit. So there's no mistakes in the Bible in the sense that there's, there's nothing in there by mistake. They don't put something in there for this, just to fill up a page. The Bible is the written word of God. It's Jesus in written form. Amen? And so we're going to go through these two stories. And it's interesting. We're talking about baptism. But John the Baptist, we just sang a song, Worthy is the Lamb. And if you don't understand what a lamb means, it's not a nice fluffy jumper to be. <laughs> or Ugg boots. Um, I had a discussion with the guy, he goes, you know, the lamb, Jesus is the lamb, like Buddha was like a lamb, and they attributed the lamb like something nice and, 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 and um, cozy and fluffy, and no, 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 no. The lamb was slayed in the, in, the New Test, in the Old Testament. The high priest would get a lamb and had to be without spot and blemish, and in order for the high priest to take that lamb in the Passover, and he would, he would lay hands on the lamb. And he would confess his sins and the sins of his nation on the lamb. And then the lamb would become that sacrifice. And he would pour the blood in a, in a bowl and there was other, other things they had to do. And he would take it, the high priest would take it behind the Holy of Holies. There was a big curtain, six inches thick, 20 feet high. No one was allowed to go in there. And he'd go into the presence of God in the altar. And he wore a robe with bells. If the bell stopped ringing, he dropped dead. And he'd take the bowl and as long as they're ringing and he'd pour the blood and offer the sacrifice to God. God would accept the sacrifice. 
the priest would come out on the steps after the, out of the holy, hand his hands out like that and say, it is finished. That was the ceremony of the high priest because of the lamb. Jesus was walking down one day and John the Baptist was baptizing and he sees Jesus from afar. And they kept saying to John, are you the Messiah? Are you the Messiah? He goes, no, I'm not fit to even untie his sandals. And then Jesus appears and he says, there he is, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now to us, a lamb doesn't mean much, but to a Jew, a lamb is a sacrifice for the forgiveness of sin. When he said the Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world, it's, oh, what are you saying? Because the Lamb was just for us, us Jews, the ones under the, our covenant. Here comes Jesus to not fulfill just the Jewish covenant, but take the sin of mankind, Adam, and put it to death so we could have new life. Amen? He comes to get baptised. And this is amazing, and we're going to talk about Zechariah and Mary in a second. But in Matthew chapter 3, verse 15, he comes to get baptised, and John the Baptist says to him, mate, I can't baptise you. You should be baptising me. But Jesus says something interesting. He says, um, permit it to be so, for thus is fitting for us to fulfil all righteousness. In other words, this is to fulfil all righteousness, that you must baptise me. Why is it to fulfill all righteousness? And we're going to discuss it a bit later. So highlight it, write it down, and we'll, and we'll cover it. But tonight's message is about two people that had a visitation from the angel of the Lord, gave them a promise, both responded similar, and then but one was mute for nine months and one was, wasn't. And we're going, to, we're going to touch on this as to why. See, God's not interested in what we say or what we, what we look like from the outward. He judges the heart. There was two men, a rich young ruler came to Jesus and he said, good teacher, how do I get eternal life? And another time, a, a chief scribe, which is a lawyer of the law, he's a lawyer, a, a, a Pharisee of the law, said this, asked Jesus the same thing. And yet Jesus answered him two different ways. It wasn't that there was two different answers. He was answering them according to their heart. The rich young ruler had lots of wealth. So in his community, in his covenant, he was blessed because he had plenty of wealth. He was young. He was a rich young ruler and he kept the law. And according to them, that's if you're righteous and you keep the law, you get blessed. And Jesus said to him, but you will lack one thing. Tell everything you got, give it to the poor and follow me. And he went away very sorrowful. The chief scribe is a lawyer. He knew the law back to front, Moses' law. He knew everything back to front. He says, well, you want to get eternal life? How do you read the law? And he told him, love the neighbour as yourself. And if you know the story, Jesus goes on to tell us about the Good Samaritan story. He answers the same question two different ways. Why? He's addressing the person's heart. But who knows that God will fulfil what he said he's going to fulfil, amen? Does anyone believe that? God doesn't need us to fulfil the last day revival God doesn't need us to fulfill what he's written that's going to happen. God doesn't need us to fulfill the second coming of Christ. He doesn't need us, but he wants us. We're the ones we'll miss out, not him. And there's times where God wants things to come to pass and we know that he's God. What he has spoken, it will come to pass. Nothing will change. Someone said to me, we can prevent the second coming of Christ till everyone gets saved. No, you can't. <laughs> the wrath of God's coming on this earth one day, the, 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 the second coming is coming and there's going to be a tribulation on this earth and there's nothing you can pray it away. It's coming. But what we can do is work with God 
and stop interpreting things wrongly and stop thinking that we've got it all worked out and be a co-laborer with the Holy Spirit and get us to pray in certain ways because God's interested in His people. Most Christians want to fulfill prophecy than to fulfill the call of God on their life. We want to tick a box. See, that's what that prophecy said. People think that, you know, see that prophecy has come to pass. And I often say, well, God never sent Judas to betray Jesus to fulfill a prophecy. They can't be that dumb and brief. Jesus offered Judas a way out and he didn't take it. And he betrayed Jesus and prophecy was fulfilled. It's not the other way around. Are you with me? And here is, there was a prophesied Messiah to come. Let's go to Luke chapter 1, verse 13. I don't hear pages going. Oh, that's right, everyone's got iPads. Luke, I better go there. Chapter 1, verse 13. And this is the backdrop. Zechariah is, in a, is, a, is a high priest. And there was different types of sects of high priests that would minister into the temple. And at that time, it was their turn, their group. And he was the one allocated to go into the temple and offer up um, prayers to the Lord. And everyone else is waiting outside and um, waiting outside for him. And he was delayed. Okay, what's wrong with him? But we know that an angel appeared. But I want to read... Before we go there, I want to just, you don't have to go there, I want to read. It says here that Zechariah was from a certain order and his wife were righteous before the Lord. And they actually say that Elizabeth, his wife, is from the daughters of Aaron. Highlight that. Underline that. The daughters of Aaron. And we'll explain that later. So Zechariah was a high priest and Elizabeth was from the line of Aaron. Aaron is the brother of Moses. And when God established the, the, the tabernacle, he said, Aaron, from your lineage, all your family will be priests. So from Aaron's lineage, they'll be priests. So every generation, their job in, 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 the, in the kingdom of Israel was to be priests, their sons and their sons. So here we establish that Elizabeth is from the line of the priesthood, and so is Zechariah. Now verse 13, it says now, But an angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. For your, prayers, um, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call him John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many rejoice at his birth. For he will be a great in the sight of the Lord, and he shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. Wine and strong drink, which is Arab. Um, and he will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord, their God. He will also be before him in the spirit of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am old man and my wife is well advanced in years. Angel of the Lord said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and it was, I was sent to speak to you and bring you all these uh, good tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until that, those days come to pass because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. So this Zechariah was an honourable man. The Bible says he was righteous in the sight of God, him and his wife. 
He's an older man, so he must have been serving in the temple for a long time. He must have been praying. His wife was barren, the Bible says. Couldn't have kids. And in those days, if a woman couldn't have kids, it was like a, a shame on the woman, a reproach on the woman. So whenever she would have a kid, it was like God's lifted the shame off me or the reproach off me. And Elizabeth is old. Now the angel of the Lord comes and he tells him this, and he says to him, how do I know this is going to happen? For my wife is getting on in years and I'm a pretty old man. That's probably a fair question if you're old. But Zechariah being a Jew, being a priest, knowing all the stories in the Old Testament like Abraham, same thing happened to Abraham, same thing happened to the widow in Elijah's time. He knew the stories. He knew the prophecies. And yet he said with unbelief in his heart, how can this be? I'm old. How, am I, how do I know this is going to happen? And it's interesting to see that God muted him for nine months. So you're going to have a son. You're going to call him John. And if you read further down, the Bible says that when he was born, they wanted to call him Zachariah after his name. But he said, no, we call him John. But you have no family members with the name John because this is what the Lord wants. The word John in the, in the Greek and the Hebrew means Johanna, which means God's grace or God's, the graciousness of God. Isn't it interesting that John the Baptist's job on this earth was to prepare a way for the one who's going to provide grace? How good is that? Zechariah means God remembers. So God remembered the cry of the people, gave him a son named John the Baptist who would prepare the way for the Lord in the wilderness. He wasn't the, he wasn't the light, but he prepared the way for the light. His name was God's grace or graciousness of God to prepare the way for the one who gives us grace. Hallelujah. How good is our God? And I often wonder why, Lord, why did you, why did you mute him? Why did you send him mute for nine months? I can't shut up for five minutes. Ask Rabs at hunting. Um, is the deer. Where? And it's gone. <laughs> but I want to show you a story about Mary, the mother of our Lord. Same thing. I don't want to read the whole lot. You know that story, I hope. Um, same thing happens. And we'll, but we'll pick it up from verse 35 in the same chapter. So Mary's there. An angel appears and he says to her, Mary, you found favor before God. And you're going to have a child. His name will be Emmanuel, Jesus, and he'll be the savior of the world. And Mary says, how can this be? For I know no man. So John, Zachariah asks a similar question. How can this be? I'm old. So in the natural, Zachariah says, there's no way I'm having a kid. It ain't happening. Things aren't working anymore. You know, it's a bit old and rusted and, bust, and busted. But Mary's saying, how can this be? I know no man. But isn't she asking the same question as Zechariah? But Jesus, uh, the, the Lord's angel said, Gabriel said, Zechariah, you have unbelief. See, Zechariah is coming out of a place of the law. Works. I've served all my life. I've prayed. I guarantee you, the Lord says to him, he's heard your prayer. But listen to me. I guarantee you, Zechariah, at his old age, is not praying for his wife to fall pregnant. <laughs> because from his very comment, he said, how? I'm old and so is she. Hey, have you been praying for something that hasn't come to pass yet? And you think it's dead and buried and God's forgotten you? Have you served God with faithfulness and honour and hasn't come to pass yet? Are you going to be one day when the Lord taps you on the shoulder, it's ready to come to pass? How? Got to be very careful. So I believe now when Mary spoke her words, I know no man that came out of a place of purity, out of integrity. 
I don't even believe Mary prayed once in her life, contrary to some people. She did not pray to be the virgin. She had no idea she was going to be the virgin for the, for the Messiah. She did not know she was going to be the one who picked. None of that because she's shocked when the angel appeared to her. But out of her question, it wasn't out of unbelief. It was out of shocked. How? I've never known no man. Thinking in the natural that this is how it has to happen. Look what he says here. But the Holy Spirit in verse 35. And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and power of the highest will overshadow you and therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age and this now the sixth month and um, for her who was called barren for the God is nothing impossible with God. Then Mary, look what her next words were. Very important when God gives you a promise what you say next. I've prayed for people for healing, deliverance, and the very next thing they say is the very thing they shouldn't say. But what if? Am I healed? We sit there for two hours sharing the gospel about someone's uh, pouring their heart out. And I understand people have gone through traumas and gone through, and they pour their heart out, they pour their heart out, pour their heart out, and you ask, and you pray for them, and you, and, you, and you feed them with faith, and they go, yeah, wow, that felt amazing. And the next word out of their mouth, but what if it doesn't happen? What? And they just aborted everything you just did. Look what she says, the very next thing. Behold, the mate servant of the Lord, let it be, According to your words, hallelujah. And the angel departed from her. You see, we don't receive because we don't believe. If we even if we do believe, we abort the mission from our words. See, Baba says, out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. You can say all the right words here to me. You can look nice and prom and holier than thou and Jesus' first cousin in here at church. But as soon as you walk out the door, what comes out of your mouth? Mary, the next thing was, according to your words, let it be done. Wow. And I often think Zachariah, it's a bit harsh, man. Like, he's mute for nine months. So for nine months, Elizabeth, an older lady, is carrying a baby. And she says out of her mouth, a bit. if you read the whole chapter, God's taken away my shame, my reproach. She's excited. She's carrying John the Baptist. And for nine months, the baby's growing in the womb. And guess what? In nine months, Zachariah's faith is rising up. Because Zachariah's seen so much. He knows the law back to front. He knows the history of the Jews. He knows everything, the temple. And yet he's thinking, nah, it's all over. Are you with me? And sometimes we can get dormant in what we believe because it hasn't come to pass our way. Or we've prayed and nothing's happened. Or you don't understand where my life is. And, you know, God's, that's the best place ready for a miracle. What, is your, what are you saying next? See, God muted Zechariah because it was very important that John the Baptist was born. And we, got, we, we, we read earlier that he baptized Jesus, yeah? There was a reason why John the Baptist was born. The Bible says he came in the spirit of Elijah. Elijah is a prophet from the Old Testament who never saw death and God was taken up in a chariot to heaven. He, he didn't come as Elijah. He came in the spirit of Elijah. And the Bible says that he'll turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and in Malachi, he says the same thing. He turns the children's hearts back to the father. He comes and he mutes him. Can't say a word. In nine months, Zachariah's mute and pondering all these things. In Luke chapter 2, it talks about Mary 
to chapter 2, verse 19, says, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Not everything God gives you, you need to talk about. Not everything God gives you, you need to blabber out. Some things are for you and you only so you can meditate on. Joshua 1.8 says, the book of the law, Joshua 1.8 talks to me, he says, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it on it day and night, and you may observe to be according to what is written, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. He says, don't let the word of the Lord depart from your mouth. What does depart mean? Let it leave. If a plank's departing, I've never ever saw that bit before. I've always said meditate on the word day and night, speak the word. Now, we're not saying don't speak the name of Jesus. We're not saying don't pray. But what we're saying, when God puts something in your heart that's deep, that you know that God's speaking to your heart, be careful it doesn't leave your mouth until you've meditated on it. Do you believe what you say? Do you believe what you say? Be quoting scripture. There was a movement, the faith movement, and I believe in confessing the word. I believe in declaring. I believe in asking God what my needs. But there's a big difference between faith in the word of God and faith in my faith. I said it five times, I should receive it. Jesus is not in a, in a, in a, a genie in a magic bottle rubbing it three times. Faith is in the word of God in my mouth, not faith in my mouth. And here in Joshua, he says, don't let it depart from your mouth until you've meditated on it. Because the first thing the devil wants to do, the minute you say, God's give me a promise, or you tell someone, or you say it without knowing what he said, guess what? The enemy comes and cuts it off. How many disappointed Christians today because they spoke too early? I'm the first one to say. If I get a revelation, I'm going to tell you, not because I want to show up, because I want to tell you. And sometimes it says, that wasn't for anyone. That was for you, Tony. And it's like throwing the treasures of the kingdom out and throwing it out to whoever. John the Baptist was born. Why was it so important? See, I don't know where Zachariah's heart was. I don't know what he would have said to Elizabeth along the way. I don't know what he would have said. I don't know what he could have damaged Elizabeth or damaged the baby because we know that John the Baptist, and this is for people, there's plenty of people pregnant here today, but um, when Mary went to visit Elizabeth, she was six months pregnant. And the minute Mary walked in, John the Baptist leapt in her womb and was filled with the Holy Spirit. That baby's alive. Babies alive at conception, not when they're born. At conception. I don't know what Zachariah would have done, but God knew what he was going to do and he muted him. And for nine months, Zachariah was waiting and pondering and waiting and pondering until he was born and said, what are you going to name him? And all the family came over and us wogs know that family want to name the baby. You can't name him. They have to name him. And they come along, yeah, we're going to name him Zachariah after his father. He inscribes, no, John. They go, John, you've got no family members named John. That was definitely the mother-in-law. But anyway, <laughs> joking. Then he's open, his mouth opens at that moment, starts to speak and he starts to prophesy. And guess what the first words out of his mouth were? He prophesied the Messiah coming. Not even about his son. He prophesied about the Messiah coming. Because John the Baptist, when he was born, he was here to prepare a way for the Lord. His way, 
He says, make your path straight. He's bringing Israel back to repentance. He's a voice crying out in the wilderness. Can I ask you something? We've asked you to come and get baptised at Rabbi's house on Saturday, but John the Baptist went into the wilderness and they followed him to get baptised. He didn't have to put a mail card and say, look, you have to come. He just says, I'm going, and they follow. They went out to see him because Jesus said, where did you go to see a man dressed in fine linen? He's wearing camel skin eating locusts. If you're hungry for the things of God, you will chase it. I don't need to twist your arm, give you a 10-day step plan, five-day, five-week course. No, no, you want Jesus? Oh, when I got saved, I wanted everything. I wanted too much. Like I, 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 I made up scriptures. It just doesn't matter. I just wanted Jesus. Went to five Bible studies a day. I was that confused by the end of my <laughs> But I was hungry for God until God got a hold of me and trained me. So I don't, I, when I see young people, they're running around, I love it, but then they say, oh, pull back a little bit. But, you know, I love it because there's a hunger to know God, hunger to see the power of God, hunger to see God change your life, hunger to see people's lives change, hunger to see people go from brokenness to light, seeing people on drugs and then get off the drugs and start a relationship and have kids and get married and their life has changed all because of the gospel. The gospel changes. You know, it's interesting here, we're talking about meditating on the Word. I'm talking about humming and making a drum. Um, no, I'm talking about that meditation. I'm talking about consuming the Word of God and let the Holy Spirit form it in you. Let it become a part of you. Because you don't know, I always say, you, you, don't, you don't know how good the oil is going to be until you crush the, the olives. In the crushing, you know how good the oil is. Not when it's sitting on the tree. Not when it's sitting in the jar. You don't know how good wine is until the grapes are crushed. If they're immature and they've... You'll get good wine. You'll get good oil. In Philippians, it talks about meditate on this, brothers, things that are true, things that are noble, things that are just, things that are pure, things that are lovely, things that are a good report. That is virtue, things that are praiseworthy. That's what you should be meditating on. And when you get meditated on, guess what? If you meditate on that and let it, let it take root inside you, let it birth inside you and let it grow inside you like a baby in the womb. And when it comes out, guess what? It's truth. Amen? We haven't learned how to sit and meditate on God's Word because we're looking for the next best sermon, next best teaching, next best. There's a, one thing you're going to get out of Rabbit and all, we're not here to entertain you. So we're not here, or maybe a little bit me, but no, but Rabbit's not here to entertain you. <laughs> we're not here to give you the next best message. There's nothing that's going to come out of our mouths that's going to change your life. What's going to come out of the Word of God? And you meditate on, meditate on that day and night. You see, what do you see when you look in the mirror? If you still see you, see when, when Moses, this is interesting. So show me your face, Lord. And, no one, and, and God says, no one can see the face of God and live. Remember that story? But then he hit him in the cleft of the rock and he walked by and the glory of God shone. But the Old Testament says, if you see the face of God, you won't make it. No one can see the face of God and live. But the New Testament says, go seek my face. But the, hang on. The Old Testament says, if I seek the face of God, I'll die. New Testament says, if I go and seek my face, but I might die. If I seek the face of God, I'll die. No one's got it yet. When I see the face of God, I die. In other words, Old Testament, you would literally die. New Testament, he wants you to die. He wants you to see his face, so you die, and it's all about him. 
Not about you, not about your problems, not about your circumstances. When I see his face, no longer I live, but Christ lives in me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus said to him to fulfill all righteousness when he got baptized. So that, for many years I read that and read that and I didn't really understand it. But I remember preaching four years ago at back then when I had a Bible study at Para and Rabs had one at Wendy and I preached a sermon and, I, and, I, and I, during I was preaching similar messages, probably the same message. What do you mean fulfill righteousness? Because we've got this idea that righteousness is not sinning. Well, if righteousness is not sinning, no one's going to heaven. Righteousness means to be right before, standing before God. Because in the Old Testament, men were righteous, but they were sinners. Noah found sight, right, he was righteous in the sight of the Lord. This man here, Zachariah and his wife were righteous in the sight of the Lord. They were right standing at that time because of what the law had given them. But now we have the gift of righteousness through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now we have the ability on the inner man not to sin. Not because I don't sin, I'm righteous. It's because he made me righteous and I live out of the notion that he is my saviour and I want to please him. Does that make sense? I'm not advocating sin. I'm saying we are not meant to sin. He who sins dies. But our righteousness comes from Jesus because he went to the cross. He says he was righteous. Jesus says this is to fulfil righteousness if he baptises him. Remember when we said earlier that Zachariah was a high priest? No one remembers? Yeah? And it says that Aaron, she was the daughter of Aaron, who is Old Testament, the first priesthood. So both his parents were priests. So that makes John the Baptist a, a what? High priest. See, in the time of Jesus, there was two corrupt high priests in the temple. Caiaphas and Ananias, they were corrupt. They weren't the legitimate high priesthood. They were in the office of the priesthood, but they weren't the legitimate priesthood. He's, hear me out. In order to fulfill righteousness, in order for the law to be fulfilled, like Jesus said, I come not to abolish the law, but I come to fulfill the law. We need a sacrifice. Jesus was now declared the Lamb of God, but you still need a high priest. Who was the high priest legitimately? John the Baptist. Where did Jesus go? To John the Baptist. What did he do? I can't baptize you. Jesus said, no, you do. You must fulfill righteousness. What did he do prophetically in the spirit? He touched Jesus. He was the priest. He said to him, you are the Lamb of God. He put the sin of mankind on Jesus. Guess what he did? And then he took off his mantle as a priest and gave it to Jesus. And Jesus is our high priest and our lamb. Fulfill righteousness. Fulfill the law. When he went to the cross, he went as the Lamb of God. He went as Adam. He went as the high priest and the altar was the cross. And then God accepted the sacrifice when Jesus died, gave up his spirit and rose him from the dead. How do we bridle our tongue? When we meditate on the word, when we believe the promises of God. I believe Zachariah was aborted because if he had said something wrong, did something wrong, spoke something wrong over his child, he would not have fulfilled the mandate that God wanted him the Messiah to come was that important and when he was unmuted he spoke truth Mary sees Elizabeth Mary was carrying in her womb something bigger than herself 
Mary carried the Messiah that would change every human being that ever walked on this planet. A humble servant carried the Messiah in her womb. And God says, go see your cousin Elizabeth. There's something about going to an elder. There's something about going and leaning on someone that's been there before. There's something about going to someone that has gone before you and laying on their chest. We can't do this alone. See, God's given everyone promises, promises that we don't need to know about because God speaks to individually, speaks to us corporately, and he speaks to us eternally. Individually is you and God. It's to build the body corporately so we can change eternity. What is God promising you? What has God promised you? That you're ready to abort with your words, to ready to speak against with your words, to really to, to change what's in your heart and speak words that will destroy you. If you don't think words are powerful, keep telling your kid he's dumb. He's no good. He's rubbish. I tell you, I'll tell you, you'll have a kid that is dumb, stupid, and rubbish. Can God reverse that? Absolutely. But you need to understand the power of your words. You need to understand what comes out of your mouth. It's not that you can create things. You're not God, but the words are powerful. You know, you hear this story, sticks and stones might break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Remember that school, God? It's a lie. Sticks and stones won't hurt you, but words will hurt you. God framed the world into existence with his word. When we get our heart right, at the word, what comes out of our mouth, James says it this way, a tongue... It's like a rudder on a ship. That big ship can be turned around with the little tongue, the little rudder. A little spark, it's a big bushfire. God, God's interesting. See, God's not speaking to babes here tonight. We're speaking to people that want to be mature. People need to understand that God is not a genie in a bottle. He's not a five-step plan to get a better life. He's not a three-step plan to get what you want. He's a holy, anointed, sovereign God who loves us and wants to participate with our world. He says, you be co-laborers with Christ. Is that okay? I'm going to close with this. Mary pondered a lot of things in her heart, but never spoken. I don't know what she pondered. I don't know what she was thinking. doesn't tell us. But I just wonder, those times in her, by herself thinking about Jesus growing up and what, what's going to happen. And then when it finally came that Jesus was going to get crucified, I wonder if she thought any of that in her heart. I wonder if she, because she was there at the cross. His friends weren't there except John. She was there at the cross. Mary was honoured and favoured among all women. Why? Because she obeyed God. Blessed are the ones who hear the word of God and obey him. Can we stand? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Same angel gave two people the same promise. And two people responded very similar, but God dealt with them differently. God is the God of the yes and the amen. 
God says, if you seek me, you will find me. The Bible says that when you pray and you don't receive because you pray amiss, you pray wrong. I can go on and on and on, but I want to encourage you tonight, right now. We're in a war right now. It's a spiritual war from the day you got saved. See, people have this notion that ever since I came to Christ, oh, the devil's been attacking me. Sorry, the minute you were born, the devil's been attacking you. You just know more about it. Rab shared something last week about the Hittites and the, the different spirits with the different uh, kingdoms and different, you know, traits. You know, in the Bible, you don't see much of, you don't hear much about Satan in the, in the Old Testament. You hear it in Job, Genesis, Zechariah, the book of Zechariah, a few other places, Ezekiel. But you don't, you don't see much of him. In the New Testament, he's brought up a lot, isn't he? Because in the Old Testament, he had set up his kingdoms. When Jesus came, guess what he did? He flushed him out. Do you remember the last temptation of Jesus? He said turn, the first one was turn these stones into bread. He could have because Jesus is God. But if he, would, if, he was to, if he was to do anything the devil said, that means the devil just wants your worship. The devil just wants to be worshipped as God. So if Jesus did one miracle, that, if the devil challenged him to do a miracle and Jesus does it, and the devil wins because he got his worship. He says, no, man shall live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth. He gets to jump on the temple and jump off, and the angel will catch you. He says, no, don't tempt the Lord thy God. And the third one is amazing, and I've got this revelation when Rabbis was speaking last week. The third temptation was this, bow down to me and I'll give you all these kingdoms, all these kingdoms. And Jesus didn't say they're not yours. He said, no, I don't worship God. He set up kingdoms that were his, the traits of the enemy's kingdoms. And we only know about it when Jesus flushed him out on the, on the mountain. He flushed him out at the desert. And then we know that every wicked thing behind it is Satan. The kingdom of God suffers violence, the violence taken by force. He goes, the kingdom of God is divided. You cannot stand if it's divided. Speaking about Satan's kingdom. We don't fight against flesh and blood. Principalities and power. You see it all come out in the New Testament. It all gets exposed because Jesus is the light. He always exposes darkness. Zachariah's encounter with the Lord was of law, non-belief. I've done everything I can do that doesn't work. Mary was encounter was faith and belief. It is according to what your words say. John the Baptist went, grew up and fulfilled the mandate that called, God called him to do and lost his head for it. The outcome wasn't what he wanted, but come what may, he still served God. See, are you willing to serve God? Pray with the Lord. Seek the heart of God just for a benefit. Or if there's no benefit, would you still search him? Would you still search after him? So I know my God, and he's a God that blesses. He's a God that prospers. He's a God that loves. He's a God that heals. He's a God that delivers. He's a God that, 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 that brings comfort, brings protection. The problem is not God. It's the problem how I see God. I want to finish up with Mary's song. So after all these things, Mary says this. This is what comes out of her mouth after she speaks to Elizabeth. My soul magnifies the Lord, 
What she's saying is my mind, my will and my emotion has exalted God and magnified him so big. And my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. For he has regarded me a lowly state of his maidservant. But behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he is a mighty, has done great things for me, and is holy, holy is his name. And his mercy is on, on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in his imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones. He has exalted lowly. He has lived, uh, filled the hungry with good things. And the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. He has spoke to our fathers, to our Abraham, and to his seed forever. She said, my soul magnifies the Lord. In other words, who I am, my, my mind, my will, my emotion, I'm seeing God now bigger than I've ever seen him before because he brought this to pass. And he says, my spirit rejoices in God, my Saviour. How do I exalt God who's already exalted? How do I bless God who's already blessed? God, yeah, I can't make God bigger. I can't bless God more. He's the one that blesses, but I can bless him in me. In other words, I can see God bigger than I've ever seen him before. And if you don't see him, shh, go on mute. Don't say a word. Until you can see him like Mary saw God. According to your word, let it be. I want to see God. If I put a magnifying glass on an ant, I see it bigger. The ant hasn't grown in size. I just see it bigger. I need to see God bigger in my heart and let it be according to his word. You need to start seeing what God sees. You need to start seeing him and his word through the eyes of Jesus, not your eyes, not your parents' eyes, not your husband's eyes. See, if you need a miracle in your life today, watch what you say. He'll never change. She'll never change. He'll never do this. He'll never do that. She'll, this will never happen. We'll never get this. We'll never do. Shh. I was going to say something else. Mute it until you believe it. Mute it until you believe it. I don't care if you're walking in pain and your body's in pain. By his stripes, I am healed. I thank you, Father, that I am healed because Jesus is at the cross. I don't care if you're broke. Thank you, Lord, that you're my provider. You can provide all your. All my needs according to your riches and glory. Lord, I pray that my kids will get off drugs. I pray that my husband, my wife, my family, whatever the need is, make sure you pace the ground and you declare the truth over their life because Jesus is already on the throne. He's already set them free and we need to see Jesus bigger than the problem. See, I don't talk about my problems to God. I talk to my problems about God. I don't say to my, oh, Lord, look at what I got. No, I say, and I used to, please, I'm not putting anyone down here. But I always say to myself, you know what? Nothing's impossible with God. If you can get a baby in an old lady, if you can get dead bones to live, if you can open the eyes of the blind, if you can release himself on a cross and trust the Father that he'll raise him from the dead, what else can he do for you? 
Because I see my God bigger than I see my situation. I see my God bigger than my interpretation. I see my God bigger than my mind. I see my God bigger. Why? Because he is God. And there's no one other like him. Because the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So I don't want to hear the word on Sunday and on Wednesday. Then I go speak rubbish about my life on, on Tuesday and Thursday. I'm hearing the words when I speak. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Meditate on his love more than anything. You know why? Because love covers a multitude of sin. Love covers a multitude of sin. So, are we going to respond like Zachariah? Or are we going to respond like Mary? Are we going to respond like a man who's been there and done it and thinks he knows it? Or are we going to respond like a humble servant just by grace? You know, Lord, according to your will. And no matter what you're going through, just baptisms, don't think about it. Just go and do it. It's not a celebration, an event with a, no, 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 go in the water because when you know you were going to hell, you would run to that water and dive in that pool to make sure that your salvation is clear. It's not an option. It's a command. Jesus never optioned you. Jesus never gave you an option to get baptized. He said, go and get baptized. Hallelujah. Lord, we magnify you in us. Holy Spirit, magnify Jesus in us bigger than we've ever seen him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you don't know Jesus tonight, You've never given your life to Jesus. And you think you've got time or you just think I'm not worthy or you don't know what I've done. You know what? I don't know what you've done. And I don't know how much time you have, but God knows. 19 years ago, God touched my life. Changed it forever. Was I perfect? Far from it. Am I on that road? Absolutely. But God left heaven. Then his son from heaven, Jesus left the throne of heaven, put on the suit of a man, the body of a man, the flesh of a man, humbled himself. You know why? Just to reach you and me. Just to reach us. No one can ever point the finger at God and say, you don't know what it's like to be here. Yes, he does. Jesus walked this earth. Would you come to him tonight? Would you lay your life before him, let him change it, fill you with his Holy Spirit? Take away the pain, the guilt, the shame. Would you do that tonight? Would you allow the Holy Spirit to touch you, that he's, your relationship will become real, not superficial, not about ticking boxes or, or climbing ladders or, or, or docking a, a Bundy card like you're going to work. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Would you come? If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'd love to pray with you. For those who are away from God, I'd love to pray for you. But whether you come here or whether we pray there, it doesn't matter. God knows your heart. And Lord, I pray right now as your humble servants and as your children 
the spirit of grace would touch my brothers and sisters here. You know their heart, you know their need, Lord. You're a loving Father. We thank you, Father. Thank you for what you did for us. That you fulfilled your end. That you sent Jesus. The Bible says if God sent Jesus from heaven to die on a cross for us, why wouldn't he bless us? He gave us his best. He gave us Jesus. Lord, I pray for people's hearts to be strengthened, for their faith to increase. For those that don't know Jesus, just reach out and touch heaven in your heart. Repent of your sins. The Bible says, He who believes in his heart that Jesus is the Son of God and died on the cross and rose again and confesses from their mouth, you shall be saved. That's a promise from the Father. I don't know what you've been through, but you know what? You've been through it. Christ knows he will set you free. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Lord, those who need healing, you will touch them there in their seat right now. Lord, change the, their heart so their mouth can speak. That they may see Jesus bigger than they've ever seen him before. And thy kingdom come and thy will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. We pray for those, Father, that seek your face that love you. I give you all the praise, Lord. I thank you from today is a new day. Let the fresh anointing fall upon everybody tonight. Let it be real. Let their eyes see what the Spirit has. Let their ears hear what God has got to say. Let their hearts know how much the Father loves. Lord, let them see Jesus. Let them see Jesus, the author and the finisher of their faith. I pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.